0: Welcome back to the Sideline Sportscast. We're here with you with episode number 43. It is September 14th, 2022, and uh, we're one day out from week two. The week's flown by. Week one of the NFL was crazy. We got our picks from last week, picks for this week coming up, and uh, that's on top of several different stories, but I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Logan Chappelle. Logan, tell the people hello.
1: Good evening, everybody. And
0: Zach Kemp, back again for week two. Zach, how you doing?
1: Hello, week one never happened. We'll just get past it together.
0: (laughs) I think we have a lot to talk about week one. I want to talk about it, but we won't linger too much on last week's games. We're going to jump right into our stories for week two. There's been several, both uh, on the field and off the field stories that we're going to hit this week. Uh, but before we jump into the first topic, as always, we ask our loyal listeners to check us out on our social media accounts at Sideline Casters on both Facebook and Twitter. As always, we ask you guys to jump on over, uh, send your memes, send your GIFs, send your game picks. Hey, send us questions, send us topics that you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, and uh, we'll try to fit them in. So with, with that being said, uh, let's go right into our first topic, and it's no surprise, we're talking Lamar Jackson. So prior to the opener this past Sunday, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson Jackson reached an impasse on contract talks. Uh, they ended negotiations until the season ends, uh, as Lamar had repeatedly said prior to the season opener, opener that that was the deadline to get a deal completed for this year. A report came out Sunday prior to the uh, 1 o'clock game starting indicating that Lamar Jackson had turned down a five-year extension worth over $250 million. Of that, $133 million guaranteed. Uh, Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed $230 million contract uh, created a gap between what Jackson wanted in guaranteed money and what the Ravens were willing to pay. The sides couldn't make a deal. And uh, with that being said, Jackson will make $23 million roughly on his fifth-year rookie option. Um, so with contract uh, talks ending, guys, um, how is this going to affect his play in 2022? Uh, how is it going to affect his future with the Ravens? And then after that, perhaps the most interesting question for this topic is, what is Deshaun Watson's fully guaranteed contract he got with the Browns going to going to do, affecting player contracts moving forward? Uh, Logan, let's let's go to you. What are your thoughts on this?
2: So first of all, I, I'm I'm glad Lamar is actually going to play his fifth year uh, option. Uh, if it was me in a contract year, I'm not stepping foot on that field. But I respect the fact that he's willing to to suit up this week, this season, and in. Go out there and give it what he's got. Now, that said, what he's got is probably not going to be what we've seen last year. I totally expect him to be more hesitant on the runs, the plays that make him vulnerable like that. This is a contract year. There's no money guaranteed next season. So if he, you know, tears an ACL this year, that could affect how much he's worth, you know, on that next big contract. That really, that contract that's going to be, you know, another five, seven years, whatever it may be. So I, I fully expect him to play. I expect him to try to win. But I don't expect him to put himself out there the way that we've seen in years past. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, looking to the future with the Ravens, this, this is my, uh, my theory as to what's going to happen. So in the NFL, no quarterback who hasn't won a championship with a team that drafted him in the first five years has ever gone on to win After he's been resigned, with the exception of Peyton Manning. He's the only one. And the average peak for a quarterback is in his first seven years. So Lamar's been there five years now. They're going to franchise tag him, and they're going to franchise him twice. In that time, maybe they make a deal for a long-term thing. But right now, I think if they franchise him, they may end up paying him that $133 million over the next two franchise tags. But it's better than $230 million guaranteed. Uh, so I think that they're going to try to get the best out of him at the peak and, and see if they can make a deal long-term that works for both teams. And as far as this um, uh, Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract, this is going to really, really screw up the NFL. We're going to see guys like Lamar, maybe he's worth some guaranteed money. I mean, they're willing to give him $133 million guaranteed. Is he worth $230 million? I don't know. Not, maybe not for a running quarterback. But uh, this guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract, that needs to go. It needs to get out of the NFL. I like the fact that players get guaranteed money in the NFL because if they get cut, they get hurt, they could lose a large portion of that. But having the full thing guaranteed, I think is a bad move for teams, especially teams that are needing to get additional pieces beyond a quarterback.
0: Yeah, Cleveland certainly not setting a very good precedent with that. But, Zach, let's let's go over to you. What is your outlook on Lamar here in 2022 and beyond?
1: Well, I, you know, he stopped contract talks, you know, rejected that offer that they did give him, which, I mean, that's a lot of money. Um, I think he's betting on himself to, um, you know, just go out and ball, um, when, you know, win the season, win the division. You know, poss- you know, possibly win the Super Bowl if everything goes right. I mean, they got a lot of competition in that conference. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with Logan in the sense of the guaranteed. I, I don't think ownership, any team's ownership will look at the Deshaun Watson deal. And I don't think players will look at that deal either. I think that was just a special case, something that I think everybody kind of wants to get past. I mean... Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, he just signed a uh, extension with the Broncos. You know, five-year, two hundred forty-five million dollar contract, and his was only a hundred and sixty-five million guaranteed. So, I I like the fact that um, you know, I like the fact that Lamar is just gonna s- stop. He's stopping the negotiations so everybody can just focus on ball and that that's that's what's more that's what's most important during the season. You know, they tried to get it done, never happened. Um but you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, pretty much made a career out of just signing um the franchise tag year after year after year and it finally paid off. But um yeah, I I, I like the fact that he's betting on himself, but I you know, two hundred thirty or $250 million with $133 million guaranteed, you know, that's, not, that's nothing to just, you know, it's nothing to scoff at, you know, it's like, that's a lot of money, but he's betting on himself and I can't blame him for that. He's had a very successful career so far. And yeah, his play, his play style is very volatile. It can lead to a lot of injury, which we saw last year, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with it after the season. You know, if they win the division, win you know, win a couple playoff games, I guarantee that that value of that contract will go up.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I I'll just you know hit the tail end. Hit. I think twenty twenty two is going to be a great year for Lamar, and I think Zach, you kind of hit on it, which was you know he's going to be playing for money, right? So this this year, I know he tabled negotiations. They're going to focus on football. He certainly came out week one and kind of demolish a really bad New York Jets football team. So, you know, twenty twenty two for him is gonna be not that he needs an audition, but it's a contract year, right? And we see players perform really well in contract years, um, to get the big Ooh. money. So I think twenty twenty two they're gonna be fine. That division's gonna to be tough. You know, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, that game was crazy, but I think that showed that maybe Pittsburgh's gonna be in the mix, right? As we get into the end of the season. Right. Um and I think he does get paid. I think they th- this is a league now where if you want to have any say in the offseason or in the postseason, you have to have a quarterback, and it's nice to have that guy um, kind of locked into a contract. But talking about what he wants guaranteed, I'm just looking at the list here. You know, just to name a couple quarterbacks: Mahomes' current contract, sixty-three million dollars guaranteed; Josh Allen, one hundred million dollars guaranteed; Russell Wilson, one twenty-four; Murray, one hundred three; Dak, ninety-five; Stafford, sixty-three; Rogers, one hundred one. I don't think he's better than half of those guys I just named. He's never going to get a fully guaranteed contract. I think Deshaun Watson contract was a one-off, and I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of it moving forward because, I mean, teams need they need negotiating power as well, right? No, one's, no one wants to, to pay a $230 million guaranteed contract to somebody who's not going to play for more than five or six years. And, Logan, I like your point, running quarterback versus throwing quarterback, maybe the Deshaun Watson guaranteed money is a little bit safer right after this year, so... We'll see. But uh, let's move on to another quarterback, and he's not dealing with contract problems, but he's dealing with another injury problem as Dak uh, Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys uh, injured his hand and the season opener is expected to miss uh, several weeks. Uh, They are uh, anticipating that he won't miss more than eight games total uh, but during that eight-game stretch, they are going to be playing the Bengals, the Giants, the Commanders, the Rams, Eagles, and the Lions. That's the first six weeks, and then uh, the Bears and the Packers. So um, you know they have a pretty decent schedule. I wouldn't say it's the most difficult schedule. Schedule moving uh, into Week Nine, uh, Zach, I'll, I'll throw it to you. The injury to Dak certainly going to be a big one for Dallas. But does this mean the Cowboys season is over already? And if it does go down the tank, you think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat?
1: Um, I do think that I, I'll start. Uh, I do think Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat. Um, you know, you, you kind you have to give him a pass for the season there, for the most season that, um, Dak missed when he broke his ankle. Um, but you know, I've, I've been listening to ESPN and other shows and people are saying that Dak is quote unquote, a good healer and that's why the six weeks seems seems possible but he did have surgery on that thumb and you know when you have these injuries you kind of you kind of go for the longer term just to make sure that he's fully recovered healthy it's not good you know it's not going to re-injure And i mean the the last um when he comes when he comes back in week nine They have the Vikings, Giants, Colts, Texans, Jags, Eagles, Titans, and then and then the Commanders to finish out the season. So they have a very soft end of the season, uh, the last half of the season, especially against the AFC South. Um, So if they can put together four, five, six wins, you know, if they can if they can possibly sweep the AFC South, and then maybe get a couple wins against the commanders and the giants to finish out the season, then, you know, that it's very possible that they could make the playoffs, but you know, they, they have to beat the Rams. They have to beat the Packers. They have to beat the bears who have a very good defense. Um, So I've it's, it's football. It's the reason we love football. Anything can happen. Um, I think their backup is, is it still Cooper rush? Yep. He's not the not the guy that you would particularly want behind center, especially when you know, especially for Mike McCarthy, who is possibly fighting for a job. Um, I don't think he gets fired during the season. I know Jerry Jones doesn't like to do that. He likes to keep I mean, they kept the last coach for Two three years longer than they should have when people were calling for his job, you know, halfway through the season, you know, most seasons they were calling for it around week ten when they were going, you know, five six and four. So I know Jerry Jones doesn't like to cut his cut his coaches too soon. They like to wait till the off season so they can go through a complete hiring process to get the new guy in there. But um, I do I do think Mike McCarthy probably has is sitting on the hottest seat right now just with it's the Cowboys man they have a they always have a loaded super loaded roster and um for them I know their receiver group is very weak this season but it's the Cowboys the expectations are a lot higher than most teams and for him to be there for the last three or four years and not have any success Jerry Jones He's getting old man. He wants to get another ring, you know, before he has to let the team go to his son. So, uh, he he's uh he's not going to let this kind of stuff slide very long.
0: Logan, how about them Cowboys, right? Every year we talk about this. Every year. Every year we talk about the Cowboys. Start hot, end crappy. Mike McCarthy. We talked about Mike McCarthy a lot last season we did. on this podcast. Bring us up to speed. What are your thoughts here with Dak going out early as opposed to later in the season? Do they have a chance in this division? Where, where do you think they're going to end up here, 2022?
2: You know, it's hard to imagine a worse week one for the Cowboys, you know, playing Brady. You know, and all the, the score was pretty close, you know, uh, because of the defense, uh, only losing, you know, by 16. Uh, that defense held up pretty well in the first half, you know. But Dak looked terrible that night it's clear there isn't enough around him definitely the outside you know we can talk about the lack of talent he has a wide receiver but what really worries me is that o-line of his he's had a terrific o-line the last couple of seasons uh last year he was only sacked 30 times, which ranked 20th in the nfl but that o-line managed to put up 407 yards a game dallas lost Uh, Lyle Collins to the Bengals, Connor Williams to the Dolphins, and Tyron Smith is out in the IR. That's three of the top of the front five who are gone this whole season. They've replaced them with some young guys, some big guys, but with that O-line and Dak, pre-broken finger, they couldn't put up points. They could not put up yards. So I have a little faith that Cooper Rush is going to come in there with he only having 50 passing attempts coming into the season and lead this team going forward. The only team in the NFL did not score a touchdown in week one, the Cowboys. So I don't have any faith. You know, you talk about the first six weeks, Bengals, Giants, Commanders, Rams, Eagles, Lions. Maybe they beat the Giants. That, that's it. That's only what I'm giving them is the Giants. After that, you got the Bears. If, if Dak comes back, that's probably a win for them. You know, Packers, I still think the Packers are turning around. But, uh, you know, you got Vikings, Giants again, Colts, Texans, Jags, Eagles, Titans, Commanders. Those are tough games, especially when Dak comes back. You know, that, that thumb is not going to be 100%. So I have worries for this team. And Mike McCarthy, his seat is the hottest seat. But, Zach, like you said, Jerry Jones is not like to fire coaches. The only time it's ever happened was 2020 and Wayne Phillips when he went 1-7. Uh and that's when he had Jason Garrett, who he really liked as a head coach prospect. Um, Jones is not like admitting his mistakes at all. So McCarthy, you know, unless he puts up wade Phillip numbers where they're going 1-7, I don't see Jerry making a move, especially with uh, Prescott being out. That means it's an easy out for him. Oh, you know, Dak's out again. So um, I'm saying the Cowboys don't make the playoffs this year. And I don't think Mike McCarthy comes back in 2023. But in season, I think he's safe. I don't believe the Cowboys will pull the plug. Even if they should, I don't think they will. Uh, coaches that I think may be fired before Mike McCarthy here, uh, you know Matt Rule in Carolina, his seat's pretty hot. Um, you know Kyle Shanahan, that's, that 49ers team didn't look good. He put a lot of uh, into um, Trey Lance, and I don't know that that's going to pay off. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, and even Cliff Kingsbury in in, Car- in uh, Arizona that's supposed to be a good team and they did not look good week one. So maybe those guys are probably three that are make more likely, I think to go prior to, um, Mike McCarthy.
1: Do you, do you think Cl- cliff Kingsbury will go even when he just signed that extension? Cause I, I know the coaches still get paid regardless. The coaches don't go against the salary cap. So, you know, they, the money is just kind of there and it's paid out. And, uh, But even though like if you're going to sign that coach to a, I think it was a three or four, maybe five year extension, putting him on that team until 2028, you know, that in the, as as well as the GM, I don't, I don't see Kingsbury unless they, unless their season just goes down the drain and that, you know, they're. You know, four and thirteen, five and twelve, or something at the end of the season. Then yeah, they probably let him go. But you know, if that's if the season goes close to five hundred or a little bit over five hundred, do you think they'll still get rid of Cliff Kingsbury?
2: I think there's definitely a good chance. I mean, that team is supposed to be a perennial playoff team. Sure. Not to yeah. mention they're supposed to be competing for a Super Bowl with that roster. Uh, and I know there's injuries on that team right now, but I think if if that team fails to make the playoffs, you might well see a playoff. You might see a change, you know, and if they, if they really do kind of tank, then yeah, I think he's gone, you know,
0: I don't know what week their, their bye week is, but you may see a bye week change. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with Logan. You know, this is a win now league. So for Kingsbury, I mean, that's a, that division there, they should be competing with the Rams, right? I think that's the expectation is that they should be competing for the number one spot in that division. Um, especially now that San Francisco seems to not be as good as they are. But, uh, you know, taking it back to the Cowboys, I think that whole situation is magnified when you're talking to Dallas. So Mike McCarthy, 100%, hottest seat there is in the NFL right now. And, you know, I was worried about the Dallas team coming into the season just because I think they got a lot worse on the offensive side of the ball, right? Logan, yeah. you mentioned their line problems. They lost Amari Cooper, right, who maybe didn't perform as well as people were hoping in Dallas, but certainly was a weapon right on the outside to go opposite of CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. I like Gallup. I just he's not an Amari Cooper, right? So I think Dallas is is in a spot. They're now in last place every other team in that division won, And the Giants had a rather impressive comeback win against Tennessee, right? So they might be the worst team in the NFC East especially without Dak. Even with Dak, I don't know if they they performed uh you know, to the level that we expected them to, especially not the level that we saw them. We had the same game last week, last year, or week one, right? Dallas, one Tampa best season best opener. opener. Yeah. One of the best one games one. of the season, right? Yep. Complete opposite, complete opposite. So, um, I can't say I feel sorry for them. Not a Dallas fan. Right. So we'll see, we'll see what they do. I still think that's the Eagles division to lose, especially now with Dak being out, but you know, crazier things have happened when we when we're talking about the NFC East. So, um, let's move from Dak to another player in that game. So, Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette delivered a huge hit on Cowboys pass rusher Micah Parsons during the Sunday night game, uh, which gave Tom Brady enough time to throw a, lo- a long bomb to new receiver Julio jo- Jones. Uh, it was a great play by Fournette uh, and by running backs alike, but not everybody took the social media with positive thoughts. Uh, Bills pass rusher Von Miller uh, wrote t- on Twitter following the game that the kind of block that Fournette threw, leaping into Parsons when Parsons was already engaged with a Bucks uh, tackle, uh, is a dangerous play to defensive players and should be banned. Uh, defensive players often complain that the NFL is always uh, inventing new player safety rules to protect the offense, but do nothing to protect the defense. Miller and other defensive players may want to lobby the league to restrict how they can be hit when they're already engaged with another blocker. So, Logan, I'm going to throw this to you. In a, in, a, in a league where player safety has has certainly become a forefront topic, do you feel as though Von Miller's comments hold any waters, and do you agree that the uh, hit that Fournette threw should be banned ultimately?
2: Here's the thing. I love the block by itself.
0: Oh, yeah. I watched I it before mean, the podcast. It's a great block.
2: It's a great block. This is what you want your running back to do, especially you know on that blind side is you want him to – to just stop that guy and and not just stop him, but you know, put him on his ass. Uh, my issue comes with the fact that he was already engaged with Josh Wells. i I, I think of this almost like uh, I don't want to say a chop block that's a little bit different, but like a, a helpless player. Um, I, I think that if this was the other way around where it's an offensive man that's engaged and, and another guy comes in. That's a penalty, so I see it being the same on the other side. Uh, I know he was focused on Tom Brady, so he didn't see fournette, but I still think it's kind of that defenseless defender situation uh, where he's he's already locked up and and to have a hit come in like that, it would be different if they both just kind of blocked him, but that was that's not a block. that was a that was a boom. He came in with the boom on that one. so by itself, I like it when he's already engaged, I, I feel differently about it. Um, I don't know that I want to see him banned or see that play banned, but I think that there's a, un, you know, unnecessary roughness kind of flag that maybe should have been called right there. So um, I, I think that just the level of effort, the level of hit kind of changes it for me. If he scales back a little bit, you know, it, it's different, but uh, when you're going to deliver that big of a hit on a guy, I think that's, that should be a penalty
0: right and before I throw it to you Zach I will clear you know clarify for our audience there, there is already a rule um Logan you mentioned in you the chop blocking where you have a offensive player blocking somebody high and then another player hits them low right I mean that's the traditional sense of the flag that we see not really the situation here where fournette clearly hit him in the in the shoulder pads right I mean up high while he was already being blocked Zach does that matter you're right Do, we, we're talking low versus high what do you think about the hit? Should it be banned? What are your thoughts?
1: It was a it was an extremely violent looking hit. Um I don't think it's anything that Michael Parsons hasn't ever dealt with. Um I don't believe he got hurt now because Vaughn Miller is bringing it up. I'm sure in the off season, you know, when they have the meetings with all the, the you know the head officials and everything, they'll probably bring up, you know, we we have to kind of limit this. Should we make this a rule? Should we, um, you know, should we just make it known to a player that, hey, you can't do that. We're going to call unnecessary roughness on you. You know, it's it's just like, you know, the defen- defenseless receiver uh, penalty, you know, like if the receiver's running across the middle of the field, catches a ball, defender can't hit him if he, you know, if he hasn't made a football move or anything, if his head is turned or anything. I agree with Von Miller, you know, the the league's rules are made to um really protect those offensive players, but you don't really hear anything about any um any penalties that def- you know that protect the defensive players. Now, uh, you are a defensive player, you are the one that is you know, 90 uh, 90% of the time You are the one that's in gate, you know, hitting that person first, and then whatever happens after happens. But I mean, unless you're trying to tackle Derrick Henry and he just, you know, throws throws his hand at you and just catches you, and you end up on your back. But you know, it is a it is a very violent sport. We cannot forget that. Um, But I do think that if it keeps happening or if we see more of it. With Von Miller's comments, it it'll definitely get brought up in the offseason, but I don't expect any immediate changes. Or I doubt uh, Leonard Fournette gets any type of fine because he really didn't he didn't break any rules per se. Like you can call it you can't even call it a chop block. I think I think the hit looked more violent than it did just because you know pads popped. Micah Parsons hit the floor. But, you know, I'm sure he got up, walked away, and, you know, walked back to the line of scrimmage and reset and play again. Yeah, he didn't miss any plays after that hit. So he's yeah. perfectly fine. I, you know, if if it caused an injury, then maybe.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I, I, I don't mind the hit. You know, I, I think we have rules in place already for these kind of situations when you have, you know, t- two guys blocking the same defensive player. It's the chop block. It's the Mm -hmm. one guy engaged high, one guy low. And I I just, I think that we're, Zach mentioned it, defensive players 90% of the time, other than blocking or engaging contact. And, you know, Von Miller is going to say these kind of things because he wants his job to be easier. He wants an easier path to the quarterback, right? I think it was a clean hit. He hit him in the shoulder pads. This is football, all right? It's a violent game. There's going to be some violent hits. I don't have a problem with it. Micah Parsons, you know, and maybe it's just my background in playing football. You got to be aware of the back, right? The back's there to protect. Tight ends, chip block. I, I didn't mind it. It was a good, clean hit in the shoulder pads. And I think, you know, pass rush is such a huge part of the game right now. You put in a rule where you can't do what, Fournette did. I think you're making these guys' lives too easy, right? So mm-hmm. that's just my take. We'll see what they do. Again, Goodell has been the safety king of commissioners, so I wouldn't be surprised, like Zach said, if they, uh, you know, chalk this up at the owners' meeting uh, in the off season and see if they want to prohibit it a little bit. But I just I think any more uh, limitations on blocking, it's just going to make it, it. It's a slippery slope, right? What's What's next? Right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, let's, let's get off the, the Cowboys and the Bucks game, right? So there's a whole other part of the league out there and we're going to go over to the AFC East. So one of the major questions this off season uh, was what will the new England offense look like uh, this off season, Bill Belichick changed around the offensive coaching and the Patriots offense is now being run by former defensive and special teams coaches, Matt, Patricia and Joe judge throw in a second year quarterback uh, throwing to a collection of mm, so, so receivers there were certainly questions as to how potent this offense was going to be and uh, going to be going into week one. The Patriots offense certainly struggled as Miami took care of the Patriots 20 to seven, holding new England at 271 yards of total offense and collecting three turnovers in the process. In the post game, it was announced that Mac Jones uh, who went 21 for 30 for 213 yards with a touchdown and an in INT as well as a lost fumble had injured his back Uh the, which could certainly spell more uncertainty for the New England offense moving forward. Um, Logan, uh, this this was your game. This was Miami against New England. With the, the the news of Mac Jones' injury adding to an already lackluster offensive debut, do you think it's out of the realm to think the Patriots are going to finish last in the AFC is uh, AFC East this year?
2: Well, obviously we can't rate them ahead of Miami after what we saw on Sunday in Buffalo. You know, you guys looked you know about as good as anybody week one. So. You know they're already kind of fighting for that third position with the Jets in the division. Uh, you know a lot of this, you know, air quote race here could be you know decided by the health of the quarterbacks. You know Jones, how is his health going to be going down the stretch? How effective is he going to be? Zach Wilson when he comes back, how effective is he going to be? Um, you know it's it's not necessarily the the Patriots coaching with you know Patricia and, and Joe Judge being uh, the offensive you know coordinators and and play callers now. It's it's the personnel that the Patriots have, that word is mean. That team is not as deep as they've been in years past. You know, uh, and I'm not entirely sure the Jets don't have better players on their team right now. Uh, the Jets had a really good draft, but I feel like we hear that a lot every year. But, you know, Joe Flacco, they named him the starter again this week for week two. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a lot of the confidence in the Jets because they are the Jets. Uh, they do Jets things. And if anybody can make mid-season adjustments and and turn that ship around, it's Bill Belichick. You know, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, they were head coaches themselves just, you know, a couple years ago. So they are good coaches. Um, You know, that defensive background doesn't worry me. And the truth is, you know, the Patriots, they have a tough time in Miami. Uh, In the last nine games, they're 2-7 and in South Florida. And last year, Miami swept them. Always a tough game. It's a big rivalry game. I don't put a whole lot of stock into how Good, the Patriots are going to be, based off a game against Miami in Miami.
0: So uh, before I throw it over to you, Zach, the one thing I will mention because uh, we I watched this game as well. I actually watched it with Logan. We made several comments throughout the game that Mac Jones just looked like he had no zip on the ball. Right. I don't know if that. I don't know if that was contributed to this so uh, a quote-unquote back injury as i say it in air quotes uh but i agree with logan lack of personnel is going to be a problem for them on the offensive offensive side of the ball zach how are you feeling about mac jones new england you think they finish third fourth somewhere in between
1: (laughs) i don't i don't think anybody for a long while is going to be able to beat out the jets for the fourth spot in that division um i think the jets have a lot of work to do. Um, as far as the Patriots go, I know they switched their um, offensive scheme to more of a zone run. Um, obviously, didn't work. They only scored one touchdown. That was from Mac Jones through the air. So, um, you know, he didn't have a horrible stat line. You know, he was about se- or 70%, um, over 200 yards, a touchdown, one interception. I didn't watch the game. I was actually watching the... Washington Jacksonville game just to see what Carson Wentz could do so I just kind of saw highlights and stuff um like like Logan said I think it's you know it's that whole thing of the Patriots have a hard time in Miami I think that's why um I think that's why it it looked worse than i think it actually was. I think uh, Miami has a lot of, you know, a lot of steam coming into the season with Tyreek Hill and stuff. You know, they they attacked they attacked the Patriots through the air a lot. So, um as far as the Patriots go, I think they're going to be just fine. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach um to ever walk along the sideline. Um I know he had Tom Brady to help him through that. Um you know, I'm I don't completely agree with the whole Matt Patricia and Joe Jug, Judge, you know, splitting that, um, splitting that offensive coordinator role. I think it's a little weird to me that they don't have a set offensive coordinator. Seems like it could be more of a problem than anything. But Bill, Bill Belichick keeps his team in line. Um, I think they'll figure it out. Um, but it's it's not going to be like the Patriots of old. It's going to be a very methodical and you know, if they're not ahead of if they're not ahead in games early and they fall behind like they did against Miami, there's gonna be a lot of losses that come with that.
0: Right. You know, the the splitting of the offensive coordinator thing was a story that was kind of coming coming through in the preseason. I think Bill Belichick kind of explained a way that he, you know these titles that the Patriots coaches hold are all kind of just placeholder titles. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day he's the one calling the shots, right? I mean he is the guy. In New England. So I'm not too concerned about them splitting. I don't know if I really want Joe Judge doing much of anything for my football team, to be honest, uh, but that's another topic. Um, New England's going to struggle this year. They're certainly the third best team, if not the, the fourth best team in that division. It's a Buffalo Miami race um, in the AFC East. Um, Mac Jones, make or break year. That's all I'm going to say. So Let's move from one poor performance on offense to uh, a probably not so surprising great one, and I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes goes 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, brings home 144.2 rating behind center. Um, the Chiefs' running backs, alongside him, combined for 126 yards on 23 uh, 23 carries. And Mahomes' week one receiving leaders were Juju Smith-Schuster with six receptions for 79 yards. Then, of course, no surprise, Travis Kelsey uh, for eight receptions for 121 yards. Uh, we talked about this last week. The Chiefs of the Chiefs. They still have Andy Reid. The only name I didn't mention, which brings up our topic, was, of course, Tyree Kill, who now makes home in Miami. So, Zach, I'll throw it to you. Chiefs, impressive game, a commanding win. Is their offense better this year without Tyree Kill?
1: You know, last week we talked about what quarterback was going to miss his receiver more, what receiver was going to miss his quarterback more. Um, I think it's clear that Aaron Rodgers really, really misses Devontae Adams. I don't think the Chiefs' offense um, is really missing Tyreek Hill, but I don't think they're going to do any better or worse without him. Um, I think Andy Reid being there to play, you know, to call the plays, creating the plays, He's just a genius when it comes to that, and I think he's he'll, he'll he'll make the most of what he has. You know, they the touchdowns from Mahomes were was one to Kelsey, two to Clyde edwards alaire um, one to Mikael Hardman, and one to somebody named Jody Fortson, a tight end, another tight end on that squad. So I think Andy Reid can kind of make plays and just spread the ball around for Mahomes and give him different looks against you know it was against Arizona their defense was not existent that entire game and their offense didn't really put up a fight to where I mean Mahomes still put up five touchdowns did he need to probably not but you know like you said Chiefs running backs combined for 126 yards on just 23 carries um I and I think Mahomes he uh he was a factor for five of those yards, so it's not like he was running any kind of any kind of read options or just quarterback keepers. They he, they just played a very very good game against maybe not the best or not the best Arizona Cardinals team, but um no I don't I don't think I don't think they'll do be any better, nor do I think they'll be any worse without Cheetah there. Um I think it just gives the other players more of a time more of a opportunity for Mahomes to just spread the ball around
0: yeah and and that's what I was going to say Logan you know uh, this is a former MVP quarterback Arizona certainly didn't play well it's a small sample size I don't think these are numbers outside of what Mahomes is expected to do Uh, do you think they were any more efficient without Hill being there or what do you foresee them doing this year without him
2: Uh, that offense certainly looks like it's going to be one of the best in the league this year I still think Mahomes is a legit MVP candidate I think they'll win the division for the seventh year in a row. But I also don't think they're going to score 44 points every week. Uh, the Cardinals, they've got a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball. They're missing DeAndre Hopkins. They were kind of in no shape to really put up a, a fight against that kind of pressure that Kansas City can bring. And the Chiefs opponents are not going to commit as many unforced errors. I don't know if you guys watched that game, but the amount of, of self-inflicted injuries that the uh, Cardinals put in is, is kind of what shot themselves in the foot. Um, the absence of Hill, it's going to make defensive coordinators feel a little less terrified when they're planning against Kansas City. But as long as Mahomes and the Chiefs can play at that high level, they're going to put up points. And this year shouldn't be any different. You know, He's going to be a little less explosive probably, but a little bit more efficient without Hill. So I think it's kind of tick for tad. They're going to be about the same caliber team as they were last year. But they're going to they're gonna miss that big offensive play, I think, is, is the main thing. So um, the diversity at wide receiver is going to help. You know, we talked last week about them getting uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Scanling to kind of replace Hill. Um, both good receivers not on the same level, but uh, that's going to help spread the ball around. I don't see them putting up a, a franchise record for scoring because they got rid of Hill. And, uh, you know, they're not going to put up 44 every single week.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I know Buffalo and Kansas City have another regular season meeting this week, or not this week, this year. Um, so Mahomes is going to do what Mahomes does. I'm certainly going to be a lot more interested in playing them without Tyreek Hill. So we'll see if they can continue the dominance performance week to week. Um, yeah, I guess that's move- the. Yeah. Hold on, before we go on. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, as, a, as probably the most
2: yeah, you know, yin yang comparison is the, the Chiefs and, and the Bills. You know, you said going into, the, you know, that matchup, you're definitely not fearing the Chiefs more without Hill. I, right. I would say. Right. But, I mean, you're certainly not counting them out as not being a, a potent offense either.
0: No, I just think with, uh, I'd like to see a healthy top tier defense against the Chiefs right before I make an opinion as to what their offense is going to look like. And maybe that is the Bills-Chiefs game, um, because I think minus Tyreek Hill, we win that playoff game last year, right? So I think they've become – they're not – certainly they're not worse, right? Worse would be a a, a bad word to use, but they're not – the threat's not as high with the Tyreek Hill on the field, right? The big play caliber uh, threat is gone. Um, well, let's it's move not, back It's a it's, not
1: a it's not a bad thing for Buffalo for sure.
0: Oh, well, it's, yeah. Any team playing them, I would say it's a little bit easier to, to game plan when you don't have a 4.340, you know, wide out on the field, right? Who can make anybody miss. So. Well, we talked about the week one flops earlier in the episode and none of them were as sloppily as the 49ers bears a mud bowl as it's being called the 49ers 19 to 10 loss to the bears was played in the muck in the mud of rainy soldier field the 49ers built a 10-0 third quarter lead against the bears team that was failing to get anything going on offense. Uh, but then the 49ers fell apart two touchdown passes by Justin Fields Uh, Taking eight picks later than the 49ers, Trey Lance, in the 2021 draft, put the Bears in in front in the second half, and the Bears gave their new head coach, Matt Elberfluss, his first win with a Khalil Herbert touchdown run after Lance's fourth quarter interception. Uh, While the loss was not all his fault, Trey Lance posted a stat line of 13 for 38 for 164 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Zach, do the 49ers get more for Lance moving forward, or is Jimmy G back under center come Halloween?
1: Well, like I said last week, Jimmy Garoppolo took them to a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo took them to the NFC Championship last season. Um, I've heard that uh, Kyle Shanahan actually wanted Mac Jones as his quarterback, but there was some type of some type of power struggle between him and the office and John Lynch, the GM, and they went for Trey Lance just more for, you know, that pop in the draft. Um, 13 for 38. That's, uh, that's not good. (laughs) That's actually pretty horrible. Um, that's just under 30, just over 33%. Um, that's not a good day. Only 164 yards. um, I'm not. Sh- I didn't watch this game. I'm not sure what type of game Debo Samuel had, but um,
0: he's on my fantasy team. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be.
1: Uh, de- you know, definitely not. I mean, the entire Forty ers aren't anything that anybody wanted them to be. Not even me. I mean, I'm not a Forty ers fan just because of I'm a Rams fan. I absolutely hate the Forty ers So to, to lo- see them lose to the Bears, a team that isn't. Isn't supposed to be good enough to beat the 49ers to see them lose just gives me pure joy. Um <laughs> but I mean for I, I it makes me feel good for the Bears, you know, get get on the right track. Justin Fields, you know, two touchdown passes by Justin Fields. That's amazing to hear for him. Um, I think the Bears are on their way to maybe building something there. And I think the 49ers are on losing a lot games unless they put Jimmy G back in
0: yeah Logan I was gonna say you know uh, Zach just said two touchdown passes for Justin Fields I wouldn't say this was a great game for either one of these young quarterbacks I don't know if Shanahan really wants Mac Jones seeing what Mac Jones has done this week so you know what's the solution here in San Francisco is it can it not be at this point Jimmy G at some point who's proven success two years in a row with the team Trey Lance just looked really raw out there Conditions weren't great for him, but what do, you, what do you think they're going to do with him moving forward?
2: It was certainly a tough day for Lance. And, you know, every game that the Niners lose, especially that like games like this are supposed to win, will rise eyebrows and make folks wonder whether or not they were better off with Jimmy. Like Zach said, this is a guy who took him to the Super Bowl three years ago, NFC Championship game last year. He's got his faults, but there's going to be a lot of veterans on this team who are going to be as patient with Lance. And if they think that Jimmy G gives him the better bet, they're going to start rumbling in that locker room. You know, It's hard to pin the entire loss on him. There's a lot of conditions with the, with the weather and all that. You know, And it doesn't help that the 49ers committed 12 penalties for 99 yards. So it's hard to give him all the blame, but you got to put up better numbers. And I believe that the 49ers will give Lance every opportunity to keep his job. Shanahan, they traded up to get him in 2021. You know, he put his his kind of chips in that basket. You know, Zach said, there was a you know maybe some outside influence there, but his chips are still tied to Lance. So Lance only played nineteen games in North Dakota State. In two of those games, he combined for uh, like one attempt in his freshman year. So I think Lance needs time to develop. He needs time to sit and watch. He needs time to learn. He needs time to practice. You know, Jimmy G, he gives them the best opportunity to win right now. Maybe Lance is that guy in the future. I'm not sure of that yet. I think that I I don't think he's going to develop maybe way down the road, but no one's going to give him the time. He's so far behind where he needs to be that this 49ers team is going to struggle as long as he's under center.
0: Absolutely. I'm not sure anybody knew what he was going to be when they drafted him. Still my biggest surprise of that draft in twenty twenty one. Um, Elijah Mitchell is out for San Francisco now. They're gonna have a tough road. And you know, the question is, does Jimmy G start before, you know, Halloween? I think the answer is yes. They have a very they have a tough home divisional matchup against Seattle this weekend. Then they go to Denver for Sunday night football, and then they are home against the Rams on October 3rd for Monday night football. Week 4, that's the make or break point, I think, for them. A team that made it the NFC Championship game last year should not be starting 0-4, in my opinion, given the fact that you still have the same quarterback under center and almost the entire same roster coming back from a year ago. If they go 0-4, I think the Trey Lance era, at least for 2022, is over, and we see Jimmy G come back.
1: I mean, um, you know, George Kittle didn't play this game. I don't know if you guys think that would have made a difference. Um, I'm just looking ahead to this week because they are playing Seattle. That is a division foe. Um, San Francisco is favored by 10 points, and the total points over under is 42. (laughs) The forty under is
0: appropriate. I think forty two is is appropriate. I and I think George Kittle will make an impact. But I think Seattle is a little bit better than maybe people thought they were going into the game.
1: Well, but the 49ers put up ten game ten points against the Bears, and the Seahawks put up six seventeen points against mm-hmm. the uh, against the Broncos. I mean, I know the Broncos have a very good defense, but that's only 27 points and i you know it's i think the 49ers defense is better than what they put on as far as week 1 goes but um i mean i i think if george kittle's that, if george kittle is playing on week 1 i think Trey Lance might have a better a better week just having that that constant target underneath and somebody that he can kind of trust but i don't know how much of a difference that makes for a quarterback that just he, From what I've seen on highlights and stuff, he just didn't look comfortable in an in a NFL offense.
0: I mean, for, yeah, first start, that game in Chicago wasn't going to be a high-scoring game, right? No matter who was on the field. So 10 points, I think maybe with George Kittle, they're scoring 21 to 24 points a game. We'll mm-hmm. see. Logan, I was going to say, what do we have? Like maybe 50? Pass attempts now of trey lance career ever (laughs) so you know i don't know what to expect from him but let's move on um as always we did our picks from week one and i'm sure the audience has had enough of hearing my voice so logan why don't you you take the folks through the recap of week one the picks and where we're all at
2: yeah so uh you know pretty standard week one uh, a lot of uh a lot, lot of very variability in some of the games we saw. Um, certainly the 1 o'clock games, a lot of them went way away. We didn't normally expect teams to go. Um, going through list real quick, just real quick. Buffalo, we all picked Buffalo. Miami, we all picked Miami. Uh, Brian, you had the cojones to pick Pittsburgh over Cincinnati.
0: Crazy um, ending.
2: Yeah, crazy ending that game, uh, you know. Uh, so you get, you're up on there. Uh, I picked Carolina over the Browns, uh, covered uh, on that one. Ah, uh, we all picked Baltimore. Zach, you picked Detroit over Philly. You know they didn't cover the spread, so you got a point there. Brian, you picked uh, Washington, while while Zach and I went with the Jags. Uh, I picked Atlanta not to cover, um, or uh, I picked Atlanta to, to to. I picked New Orleans not to cover. Um, and uh, Zach, you picked Chicago. I'll um, pick the Ra- uh, Raiders uh brian you got kansas city we uh we thought arizona would be a little bit more competitive were we wrong uh zach you got minnesota uh we all got tennessee wrong um i uh i was faulty in my assessment of dallas this preseason and uh they suck so you guys got (laughs) and uh in denver once again that's how you really feel (laughs) uh yeah yeah uh, you know, Denver, I knew they weren't going to be as good, but I still picked them over the Seahawks cause I thought the Seahawks were hot garbage. Turns out Denver is hotter garbage. Uh, <laughs> so you guys got some points in Seattle. So at the end of all this, mm-hmm. you guys are both at 9 and 7. I'm at 6 and 10. It's okay. This is how I start. I come back in the end. Okay? Slow start.
0: weeks, so yeah.
1: It's yep. only week one, so... That's me... right.
2: So... Uh th- we'll take us into next week. Uh Thursday night. Great matchup Thursday night. Chargers, Chiefs. Where are you guys at?
1: Zach? I'll 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 go um I'll go KC. I think the LA Chargers are a very good team, but I think the Chiefs are a lot better.
0: Yeah, it's in Kansas City. I think Mahomes is going to come out, show that he's still the dominant quarterback in the AFC West. Uh, Four points. You know, I wish it was three, but I think KC by a touchdown, so I'm taking Kansas City.
2: I'm going to follow suit Uh, KC. This game could could potentially come down to a a kick at the end, I think. But uh, I think that after the offense we saw, I'm going with Kansas City as well. Uh, Tampa at New Orleans. Tampa Bay is favored by two
0: and a half. Brian, where are you at? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Tampa Bay. The Saints, they don't cover against Atlanta, who we all said was probably one of the worst teams in the league. It's Tom Brady. I think a good question earlier would have been who's going to be the starter for New Orleans by Halloween, Jameis or Taysom Hill. I don't know how much more leeway New Orleans can give To uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank. To uh, help me,
1: James Winston. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Geez,
0: (laughs) yeah. No, to James. I mean, I mean, Taysom. They haven't given given anything to right. He was supposed to be the starter come 2021. Still not the starter. So, uh, Tampa Bay.
1: Um, I'm gonna go New Orleans on this one. Uh, Tom Brady just seems to have a have some trouble against them in the regular season. Um, whenever he has to play them, so I'll go New Orleans.
2: This is I'm going with uh, I'm going with Tampa. Um, this is more of an indictment on James Winston. Never been a big fan or supporter of him, so I'm going to go Tampa Bay. Uh, next up, we got Panthers at Giants. New York is favored by two. I'm going to take the Giants because of Saquon Barley, Barkley.
1: I'll also yes, take sir. the Giants.
0: Yeah, you know, I thought you guys were going to do that. I'm taking Carolina. You know, they had a tough loss at home last week. The Giants, you know, they they played good. Brian Dable first game as the head coach. I just I don't have faith in them. You know, in two points, I think Carolina. They, I think they pull it out. Baker for a field goal, field goal victory in New York.
1: All right.
2: Next up, we have the Jets. Jets, Jets, Jets at the Browns. Cleveland is favored by a whopping six and a half. Zach, hmm. who you got?
1: Hmm. Just <sighs> shit on the Jets earlier, so <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I don't like that spread. I don't like. I don't like that six and a half. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to. I think Cleveland wins, but I don't think the Jets cover. So I'm gonna go Jets. J-E- right, Brian?
0: J-E-T-S suck Sorry. suck
1: suck. J-E-T-S. Jets jets jets.
0: Cleveland. By multiple touchdowns.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm torn on this game. Chubb God, and hunt. Six, Chubb and hunt. Six and a half is so much That's though, but brand, it's the Jets. Brand. So I'm going with Cleveland with Brian. All right, next up we have Patriots at Steelers. Brian, you going back to back on the Steelers?
0: You know, I think I am. It's it's in Pittsburgh, right? I think that the the only concern I have with Pittsburgh week 2 is Najee Harris is questionable and they don't have TJ uh, Watt right for 6 weeks but I still think given New England's performance last week Pittsburgh defense it might be a little bit better than Miami's defense just a little bit just a little bit so I'm picking the Pittsburgh at home.
1: Yeah, I I'm mean like- it's 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 crazy that the the Patriots are favored even with that I mean, I know it was not a great game, not a great win for the Steelers, but they still won. For them not to be favored, when I think they have a very, um, very similar outlook, I'm going to take Pittsburgh on this one as well.
2: I'm going to go against you guys. I'm going to take New England. Um, X-rays came back on Mac Jones today, and, and they're saying that it's most likely just back spasms. Uh, so he should be good to go. I'm still not on board with the Steelers completely. Um, did a lot last last week to kind of change my mind, but still not, it's not there completely. All right, Dolphins at Ravens, Baltimore three and a half.
1: I'll take hey. I'll take Baltimore on this one. I, I'm I was very um, I was very encouraged by the Dolphins' performance last week. But uh, I, think it's, I, I think it'll be a shootout, but I do think Baltimore will probably win by close to a touchdown. This is the I... hardest
0: pick for me of the week. You know, three and a half, it's in Baltimore. But I'm taking Miami, you know, and I think it comes down to Miami's secondary, right? Xavier Howard played great last week. And I think if Miami takes away the top two targets of Baltimore, Lamar's going to have to run. And I don't know if Lamar running wins games anymore for Baltimore. So I'm going to take Miami on the road.
2: So Baltimore is the, the kryptonite to the Dolphins here. Every year we play them coming down the stretch, they knock us out of playoff contention. Uh, it, uh, this is a, a heart versus head decision here. And, and the smart money's on Baltimore, even at three and a half.
0: But he's it's, taking the Dolphins. <laughs> but I,
2: but I got to go with Art. I got deck because I'm betting with the Dolphins. I'm picking Miami. I, I Byron Jones, Xavier Hare, Howard. I, I think, I, I think that Waddle's going to have a bigger part in this game. I think they have a balanced Waddle Hill. I Think it's going to be hard for Baltimore to handle. I'm going Miami.
0: Logan doing the Waddle into week two.
2: Oh, Next up, Colts, surprising uh, game last week versus the Jaguars, not surprising game. Indy is favored by four. And who you got?
0: You know, I don't know who's making these spreads. You know, I think Houston's worse than Jacksonville, so I have to take the Jaguars at home to cover. Or, you know, the Colts aren't going to cover. Field goal for the Colts, maybe, but four points at home to give up to Indy? Based on what? Jacksonville.
2: I'm going to go Indy on this one. I believe in Matt Ryan. I believe that team, the Colts team, is better than we saw. Blankenship's out. So if it comes down to a field goal, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm going to say it's the Colts, Jacksonville is who we thought they were, Indy.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Blankenship, actually, I think I saw that he got released earlier today. So He was. Um feel bad for the guy kind of like you know he's a good guy to root for just with those glasses on and everything um (laughs) i'm gonna go that spread man um i'm gonna go Indy, indy as well i trust their defense against a jaguars team that's still trying to seems like they're still trying to figure out they did lead the commanders last week but um, I'll I'll take Indy. I I just trust their defense, and I trust Matt Ryan more to kind of figure it out after Week One.
2: Commanders at Lions. Detroit is favored by a point and a half, so mm-hmm. a real coin toss situation here. Zach, lead us off.
1: Um, I'm gonna go with the Commanders on this one. Uh, Carson Wentz last week actually changed my mind. He threw a late intercept inter- interception against the Jaguars um and coming off the field ron rivera seemed to look at him and say you need to go win this game and carson wentz said i will and he did so i'm gonna i'm gonna ride with carson wentz this year i'm my foot is hanging off the cart and i might jump off later on but i'll go washington i'm also gonna take commander
2: wentz uh so i will take washington
0: i'm going washington
2: the surprising Seahawks at 49ers, eight and a half. Holy cow. Who are you taking? Oops. Brian.
0: I think I'm taking Seattle to, to, to keep it close again. Until Trey Lance shows us something otherwise, I just don't have faith in them to score a lot of points.
2: Zach, what you got for us?
1: Um, I'm going to go with Seattle. I think they win this game. Um, I was texting with you guys during that game, you know, Gino in the beginning of the game was, I think he went like, I know I texted you guys seven out of seven out of, you know, for his throws. Um, I don't know what he did after that. I was kind of just in and out watching the game, but, uh, I think Seattle takes this.
2: I actually think San Francisco wins this game, but eight-and-a-half-point spread. Brian, you know I hate spreads like this, so I'm going with Seattle.
0: Way too much. If you don't like that one, why don't you tell us about the next one?
2: The next one we hear, we got the Falcons at the Rams. Rams are favored by ten-and-a-half. Largest spread of the week.
0: They almost didn't score that many in the first game. Ooh, Zach, <laughs> oh, Zach, your team, look, Who you got?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll go, I'll go to the Rams. Uh, the bills are probably one of the, or they are the best team in the NFL. Um, from what I saw last week, they came out, I think they came out really pissed off. Um, and I think they were just trying to prove a point and say that we are supposed to be here. We are supposed to be playing teams like this. They blew us out of the water. They showed us that, um, going against the complete opposite of the spectrum on that, on that, uh, on that, I'm going to go with the Rams to probably do the same thing that the Bills did to us. All right, Brian? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think L.A. you know is a good football team that just had a bad game. The Bills had a lot to prove, and I think L.A. comes out this week and their defense gets back to form. They shut down the Falcons, who, in my opinion, only have two good players on the entire team.
2: Uh, I'm right there with you. That de- That defense that the Falcons have is not the Bills' defense. The offense the Falcons have is not the Bills' offense. LA, even though you know I like me a 10.5 point spread. Cardinals at Raiders. Las Vegas is favored by 5.5. I think I am going to stay on the Raiders here. Um, I've got a lot invested in the Cardinals this year, but I don't think this is a game they win. And and 5.5, I think it's going to be a touchdown.
0: Yeah, no, oh. I, I'm going to ride with you with, uh, with the Raiders. I, uh, they underperformed last week, but they just don't have the injuries that Arizona is dealing with right now. Yep. Without DeAndre Hopkins, I think the Raiders win in, in pretty decent fashion.
1: I, also, I, I think Derek Carr figures out you know, how to win some games before Kyler Murray does. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders. All
2: right, hold on, i got to make a phone call real, real quick. Vegas, are you sure on this one?
1: <laughs> 10, 10 for Denver. Texans
2: at Broncos. Denver, for some odd reason, is favored by ten effing points. How the hell does this happen, Brian? Tell me you're taking the Texans.
0: I am. I'm taking Houston. I think part of it's because I don't think Denver's figured out their offense. I wasn't. They have two running backs. I'm sorry, Melvin Gordon the third, but your time is over. Let Williams be the starter for that Denver offense. Let him ride, you, ride him to some touchdowns. But until they figure out what their identity is with the new Russell Wilson game plan. I don't think they're beating anybody by ten points.
1: Same. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think any other team gets it in. You know, within ten yards from the. As much as doesn't score, um, I'm also going to take Houston just because of that spread. That's 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 crazy for that. Just, just because based on last se- or last week's uh, results.
2: Yeah. Too many chances in the red zone. Two little points on the board. Going with Houston. Bengals at them Cowboys Cincinnati by seven and a half Zach
1: who you got uh Joe Burrow was pissed off last week from that from that loss that they took uh that he never he never took his pads off didn't take a shower the entire time that they until pretty much everybody left I think uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to come out uh seven and a half I think they probably double that
2: I'm right there with you. I'm taking the Bengals. The, he's not giving up five turnovers again this season. Mm-mm.
0: Cincinnati. That's all I got to say.
2: All right. We got the Bears at the Packers. A big rivalry game. I'll start this one off. Ten and a half points here by Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay on this one, guys.
0: I'm you, taking you know Green what, Bay, You too. know I love me some Rodgers. Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay, too. Aaron Rodgers, you know, you said we were talking before the podcast started. You know, that's a young Green Bay offense now without Devontae Adams being there. Don't forget, the Packers still have the defending two-time super, uh, uh, league MVP in Aaron Rodgers. He's going to figure it out. They're going to score points. Don't let the Bears' Week 1 victory fool you. This is a Green Bay game all day. First, first Green Bay game in Green Bay this year, so I think they take it big.
2: Yeah, similar to what you said, don't let the Packers' bad week one events, the Vikings fool you either.
0: What The Packers lost really bad against New Orleans, was it, last year in week one? hmm And then what they, they turned it around, or what, like 12-4, and 13-4? And four, four. Yeah, exactly. So, gave them one game.
1: All right, Zach, who, we, we cut you off. Who are you taking? Oh, ba- based on what Brian just said, you know, if history serves it well, Green Bay always figures it out after a bad week one loss.
2: Yeah. And they were missing Lazard, who is our number one, who I think is a very underrated wide receiver as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to be back this week, but uh, I do think the Packers figure this out. Ten is a lot, but Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. So next we got Titan at Buffalo. Buffalo by ten. This
0: is a big game. Brian. Yeah, it's a big game and I think it's just the next uh, the next game on the Bills Revenge Tour from last year. If you recall, they this was another primetime game from last year. The Bills lost at the very end. Josh Allen fourth and 1 from like the 3-yard line didn't get the yard. I think Buffalo they want to prove that they're going that Tennessee's not a, not a match. I am scared about Derrick Henry, but I'm not sure if he's back to what he was before the injury. So I'm taking Buffalo at home
1: uh, with the spread. Zach, what you got? Um, as long as... I don't think Josh Norman is on your team, so I would be too scared of Derrick Henry. Um, <laughs> can we just pencil in a Titans-Bills uh, primetime game pretty much from now till eternity just so we can hear about the Music City Miracle once again? <laughs> um... I didn't mean to hurt you. I, I noticed that today. I was like, man, this is another primetime Titans-Bills game. They're going to run a 30-minute segment about the Music City Miracle. <laughs> I agree. It's it's It was a BS call, but it is what it is. Uh, Buffalo wins by, uh, I'm going go to go 31-7. to I don't think the Titans wow. are as, you know, as good being... Optimal word there. I like it.
0: I wouldn't say the Titans are as good as the
2: Rams. So this game, I I, with ten and a half points in the Titans. Last year, I'm taking the Titans hands down every time. Titans lost the Giants last week, guys. The Giants. Mm All right. Derrick Henry did not look like he was ten point out of ten points though. Uh I really, I really want to take Tennessee here, but I'm I'm taking Buffalo. I think like you said, this is a game that they are going to be out for. They penciled this one, circled it on the on the counter with red highlighter, red marker. So I think this is a game they get up for, and I think they do win big. All right, and Monday night.
0: Forget, last year, Titans, I think, had a lot better offense. They don't have Julio Jones. They don't and have A.J. Brown. Stack that box, Buffalo. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, Monday night. Vikings at Eagles. Philly by two and a half. I'm taking Minnesota. They looked really good. Cousins. What the hell? Where did that come from, uh, Jefferson? You
0: know. Well, yeah, no, spiking. I agree. I think they looked really good against Green Bay at home last week. Uh, Philly's one of those teams that I feel like they teeter totter back and forth between looking really good and really bad. So they played good last week. They got the win last week. Might be time for a bad game. Two point spread. I'm taking Minnesota.
1: I'm also taking Minnesota. I don't think. Uh, I don't think the Eagles. Handled business the way that they should against the uh, you know the Detroit Lions team, but uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take I'll take the Vikings in that. I think uh, Kirk Cousins is going to have another really good game.
0: Well, it looks like we had a lot of similar picks here for Week Two. A couple differences uh, on the one o'clock games, at least, but we'll see. We'll see if Logan can close the gap a little bit, and that will bring us to our closing segment of every week, and that is sit, start, cut. So in this week's sit-start-cut, we are looking at three of the league's top running backs going into the season. Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Dalvin Cook with the Vikings, and Christian McCaffrey of the Panthers. You guys know what to do. We'll start with Logan. Who are you sitting, who are you starting, and who is on the waiver wire?
2: McCaffrey is my ride-or-die. He's been on my fantasy team the last few seasons. I'm starting McCaffrey. When he's healthy, I think he is one of the most dynamic players on the field, Maybe not the most pure running guy, but he out of the backfield, he is just magic. So, as long as Baker doesn't mess this up, I'm starting McCaffrey. I'm sitting Barkley. He is the man in New York for the Giants. All of the greatness is going to come from him and go through him. I still have injury concerns. This is his first good game since like 2019. So, I'm sitting him and I'm cutting Cook. Um, might be a shocker, but I've got him on my fancy roster as well. I, I'm worried about my pickup of Cook now because I've seen the offensive scheme in Minnesota. First-year coach Kevin O'Connell, you know, a descendant from the Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan kind of tree, uh, we'll see him implement a very similar offense to what the Rams had where they're going to see success by a heavy dose of like pre stat motion and movement, reliance on three receiver sets, a zone run game, And some play action. This spells really good success for Christian, for Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. I'm worried about what this does to Cook's stock, so I'm gonna put cut. uh, I'm gonna cut
0: Cook. Zach, who you got for us? Who you starting? Who you cutting? Um, Who you sitting?
1: Man, I mean, you you picked three of the most injury-prone running backs I think I've ever seen play the game. (laughs) I mean, Christian McCaffrey was on the injury list last week before the game saying something about, I think, a cut on his leg or something. I was like, man, this guy can't break, but I guess he played. Um, I know they limited his snaps last week, um, probably just because, damn, we've used him so much that he keeps getting hurt. Let's just kind of slow it down. So, with that being said... I'm going to start Saquon Barkley. Um, I'm going to bench Dalvin Cook. I've always been a huge fan of Dalvin Cook. And I'm going to cut Christian McCaffrey just because of the injury. I know it's the way that he plays. Um, You know, he he plays a very aggressive style, you know, jumping around, diving into the end. And it doesn't seem like a great idea for somebody that just cannot stay healthy. So Saquon Barkley start, Dalvin Cook bench, and Christian McCaffrey cut. Yeah, it,
0: yeah, it's tough, you know. Three three great running backs, a lot of injuries, but I, I'm going to go with the "What have you done with for me lately?" method, and you know Saquon Barkley looked really good coming back week one, and it's it's been a long time coming that we've been able to say that. So I'm actually going to start Saquon. I think the upside of McCaffrey is still way too high to cut him, so I'm I'm going to sit McCaffrey. Show me that you can be what you were, and then I'm cutting Dalvin Cook for the same exact reason Logan mentioned. Minnesota has become a passing team. I don't know where he fits in. He's not going to be the same guy he was three years ago when they were getting their identity. So there you have it. Well, another episode down. This has been the Sideline Sportscast. We're looking forward to week two. I failed to mention it at the top. I've been your host, Brian Ricotta, alongside with my co-host, Logan Chappelle, Zach Kemp. We're looking forward to week two, and we'll see you here next week. Thank you.